Hello, and welcome to Runners in Scoring Position. I am Nate Jones, and I am your host today. I am the lone host today. Charlie is not here. He is currently at the airport. Hopefully, he'll be able to call us in a little bit uh, to join us today in studio. But yeah, right now, it's just me in the studio, Runners in Scoring Position. If you've never listened to Runners in Scoring Position before, well, welcome. We're glad to have you. And Runners in Scoring Position, obviously, the name entails it. We're a baseball sports talk show uh, covering all of baseball. We've kind of been off from our traditional show for two weeks now. We're in week three. And the first week we were covering New York. We had Philip, my co-host from the Two Minute Drill. He came in and we covered all of New York. We also covered some baseball news after that. And then last week we got snowed out. We weren't able to come into the studio to record this show, which is a bummer. And I know you guys missed us here and we missed talking about baseball. And so basically what today's show is, is last week's show. Uh, We'll try to cover the most up-to-date baseball news on top of everything else that's going on right now. There are some deals signed recently. A big one is Mike Trout. He signed a big deal. Uh, So we're going to start with Around the Horn. And once Charlie's available, he'll definitely call in and we will cover a little bit more. So I'm going to do a couple and then see if he's available to talk and then we'll go from there. So for Around the Horn, now this is prepared for last week, of course, uh, but the Independent Atlantic League will test out future Major League Baseball rule changes. This includes robot umpires, 62-foot, 6-inch distance between the pitcher's mound and the home plate in the second half of the season, and no infield shifting, among others. The robot umpires will include a tracked man radar system to help umpires call balls and strikes and a rule stating that two infielders are on each side of the second base bag when a pitch is being released, with the penalty being a ball. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. I think the beauty of baseball is the human error. People complain about balls and strikes all the time. It can be frustrating at times. I think this is why they're testing out robot umpires like this. But that's the beauty of baseball. That's the beauty of most sports, is there's human error involved with it can be good, can be bad. You know, there's some balls that should have been strikes. Count stays alive, the guy hits a home run. But that can happen for both sides. As long as there's no biased umpiring, I think we should keep with humans. Maybe have the ability to challenge something. Maybe it can only be after the seventh inning or something like that. But I don't think robot, complete robot umpiring is the overall solution for this. I think we'll definitely see in the future that more people will push for this, but maybe have this system, this track man system that can help umpires, that can help them make decisions when a call is challenged. This is not going to be a constant thing. This will be something that can be changed here and there. I don't think this should be a constant thing. So we'll definitely see see what happens there. All right, the next bit of news are the Philadelphia Phillies. Starting pitcher Aaron Nola, Nolan Nola, no, not Nolan. <laughs> Nolan received a four-year, forty-five million dollar contract. The twenty-five-year-old right-hander is forty-one and twenty-eight in his four seasons in the league, seventeen and six last year with a two-point three-seven ERA and a .97 WHIP. He finished third in the National League Cy Young Award voting last season. As Charlie and I have kind of mentioned, this might be the years for the year. For the Philadelphia Phillies, I think it's one of their best chances to win a World Series. It kind of gets slimmer and slimmer in the next four to five years. So I really like that they're buying in 
to a lot right now. A lot of great players, and hopefully this can turn into a great winning season for them. Other uh, reports were second half of the season, uh, some players were playing Fortnite in the dugout during games. Not in the dugout, but in the clubhouse, I believe. It could have been the dugout as well. And it re resulted in a TV being smashed with a baseball bat. So hopefully with a veteran presence like Bryce Harper, this team will be able to improve a lot more and be able to have a much more successful season. And I think they will. I think they're going to have a pretty good season. We'll see if it leads them to the World Series. I think Philly fans are hopeful. And overall, it's just been a great offseason for the Philadelphia Phillies. If anyone is a big winner in this offseason, I believe that it is probably the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, next bit of news. Uh, the top prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., will be sidelined for three weeks. Guerrero Jr. strained his oblique muscle in a game on Friday to retain team control of Guerrero for another year. The Jays would keep him in the minors for 15 days to start the season. This received negative criticism, similar to Chris Bryant in his rookie season in 2015 with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I, I would react ne negatively to that as well, just as a Major League Baseball fan and as a Toronto Blue Jays fan. He's arguably going to be their best player this season. Uh, they don't really have a chance to do anything in the division this year. So let him run with it. Let him figure out what he is in the major leagues rather than just AAA for another couple games. And he's already sidelined for three weeks. So you're losing him for three weeks. And then you're going to start him in the minor leagues when you're probably not going to do anything special in Toronto this year. I don't think it's a great move. But obviously, it is a business as well in Major League Baseball. All right, we're going to the next bit of news. We're going to do two more bits of news. We're going to take a music break, and we'll check in with Charlie to see if he is available uh, to comment on some of these things as well. Uh, so for the first time since 2008, Felix Hernandez will not be the opening day starter for the Seattle Mariners. Hernandez, who is in the final year, time flies when you're having fun, right, of his seven-year $175 million contract, uh, he was extremely disappointed. Hernandez posted an 8-14 record with a 5.55 ERA over 28 starts. Marco Gonzalez will be, opening, will be the opening day starter on March 20th against the Oakland Athletics in Japan. Obviously, this already happened. <laughs> I did say we were looking at last week's notes. Uh, but yeah, that is disappointing for Hernandez. He has been one of the best pitchers in the league for several years now. And I would be disappointed as well. But obviously, you look at his stats last year, it does not show an opening day starting caliber. So we'll see if he can improve on his performance from last year this season. I don't think the Mariners are going to do anything special either. So we'll definitely have to see what happens. All right. Uh, and so the next bit of news is Los Angeles top prospect Joe Adele will be sidelined for 10 to 12 weeks after spraining his left ankle ensuring his right hamstring running the bases. Adele hurt himself when he slipped on the bag while rounding second base during exhibition game against the Cubs in Mesa, Arizona. Adele was expected to start the season in A mobile on his fast track toward the majors. I think it is interesting how many injuries we get in Major League Baseball during spring training. And I think this happens in any sport. But what is, you know, how many games should players be playing? How much injury risk is there? Because obviously, if you play no games, you won't get injured during the spring. But if you're not fully prepared, you're not going to be doing well in the season, and especially with such a long season. 
spring training kind of seems a little long, in my opinion. It's about a month long, a little more, a little less, depending on, you know, if they play fall ball, different things like that. Is it too much baseball? You know, we're playing 182 games here. Is there too much baseball? There's a lot of injury time, you know, in 182 games. Why are we adding on more to that? What benefits does spring training really give you to your stars? What are they showing you in spring training that they couldn't show you in the first couple months? So I think that's an interesting thing uh, that's different from other leagues in base in, in major sports. All right, last bit of news before we go on a break. Clayton Kershaw felt pain-free after his 20-pitch bullpen session. Kershaw is recovering from shoulder inflammation. Before today, his last session off a mound was on February 20th. It is a possibility that Kershaw starts an opening day, but it's unknown. I don't think the Dodgers are going to take a chance with him. So if he's not 100%, I don't think he will be starting this season. All right, thank you so much for joining us for that first little bit of Around the Horn. We're going to take a quick music break here. We'll be right back, and maybe we'll be back with my co-host, Charlie. But make sure you stay tuned to UCCS Radio. You're listening to Runners in Scoring Position. Hello, and welcome back to Runners in Scoring Position. I am your host, Nate Jones, as always. And with me, as always, as he should be, as it's rightfully so, is my co-host, Charlie. And Philip dropped in the studio, too, so we're all here. How are you doing, Charlie, from the Colorado Springs Airport? Good. I am. How about you guys? We're doing well. How are you doing, Philip? I'm doing all right. Charlie, why are you at the Colorado Springs Airport? <laughs> I'm heading home. Oh, okay. Oh, spring. Oh, I forgot about yeah. spring break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, right. we're happy to be here on this Thursday. And we have baseball news, as always. Uh, for those who are just joining us, I covered a little bit earlier, but Charlie is here to talk about the biggest news. And obviously, if you're a baseball fan, you know the biggest news is New York Mets outfielder Tim Tebow has been reassigned to minor league camp. Uh, Tebow, 31, will likely start the yep. year in AAA Syracuse. He was one of 10 players to be sent down to minor league camp. Oh, do you, when do you think Tim Tebow will make his major league appearance? Because it seems like an, it's inevitable now. I think it's going to be after the All-Star break. Okay. Um, I think they're pushing him. He'll start, I think he'll start the year at AAA Syracuse. Um, I, I think, you know, unfortunately for Tebow, I think a lot of his promotion is just due to marketability and purely, like, people recognize his name. You know, if you were to ask a, a group of 10 people who Tim Tebow was versus who Peter Alonzo is, you know, I would say a majority of the people would know who Tim Tebow is, even though Peter Alonzo will likely be the starting first baseman for the Mets come April 1. A lot of people don't know that name, even though he's more of a pure baseball talent and a higher production. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I think especially if the Mets are struggling, he might be brought on even earlier, in my opinion, just to sell tickets because he is, his name is so memorable and he will sell jerseys as well. So if they're struggling. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. So the best, big, best, the biggest news in baseball recently, I think is Mike Trout. Uh, he recently signed Mike a Trout. major deal with the Angels. Uh, do you know the specifics of that deal, Charlie? It was a 12-year, I believe, I'm going to look, it's $430 million. Wow. So for those of you who just needed some more context on this, so Trout was 
going to become a free agent in 2020. So he had two years left on his deal. Um, a lot of teams and a lot of insiders are pointing Trout to go towards the Philadelphia Phillies in you know the summer or the off season of 2020 because his hometown of Millville, New Jersey, is only 45 miles south of Philadelphia. Okay. Plus Bryce Harper just signed, so it'd be sort of like a mega mega deal. But this really shocked a lot of people. And Nate, to be honest with you, this really captured the essence of Mike Trout signing a deal. Tuesday on at 10 a.m. Yeah. I mean, really, it's the middle of the day. It's Tuesday. You're not calling yeah. a press conference. No. Nope. It's just, oh, Mike Trout signed the biggest deal that we've ever seen before. Um, and another thing to note about this contract is that it's one year less than Harper's, and it's $100 million more. So Harper, I can't imagine, is very happy about that right now. And another thing to note is that it's a full no trade and a full no opt-out clause, similar to Harper's. So inevitably, Mike Trout will be playing in Los Angeles until he's 39, essentially finishing out the rest of his career in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think what I thought was going to happen is I thought he was going to wait. He was going to go all the way into the – he was going to play the rest of the season with the Angels and then see what other teams had to offer and then force that offer up. I thought he would be our first $500 million man. And I thought that was because teams like the Yankees, Phillies, were just going to start throwing money at him, and the Angels would be just forced to be like, okay, we'll give you more. I didn't think he was going anywhere else, but I thought he was going to get a lot more money. I think the biggest winner in this is Mookie Betts. I think Mookie Betts probably makes a lot more money now because, you know, although he's not better than Mike Trout, recency bias, he's the most recent MVP the Red Sox might be forced to pay him more. Another team might pay him even more. I think another win- winner in this too, Nate, is the Angels. Yeah. I mean, $430 million doesn't seem, you know, to be that little. But what about if Trout has another breakout season and wins another MVP year? $430 million is going to be an absolute steal for yeah. what Mike Trout has done. I mean, a two-time MVP. The only thing, you know, I, I compare him to Manny Machado in the way that he kind of locked himself in this deal. I mean, the Angels have not been in the playoffs for a handful of years, and likely they'll peak at third in the division behind the Athletics and the Astros, yeah. and that's you know depending on how the Rangers do this year too, and the Mariners. So I think, I mean, Mike Trout, hopefully the Angels make the playoffs, but I just don't think they're a World Series contending team. The one thing that I look at when players sign deals this early is that they're afraid of getting injured or they know something is you know, going to go awry. I think with an injured Mike Trout still could have easily gotten more than Harper. And that's my opinion on that because I think Trout, you could just use pure production. And I think you know one injured season or one injured offseason would not deter any teams from offering three to $400 million easy. Yeah. But I also think you know Mike Trout's betting on himself. Right, you're doing a 12-year deal, 430 million dollar extension. I mean, even Mike Trout has to prove that he's worth 36 million a year. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to prove yourself. And the Angels, particularly the Angels, do not have a great history of long-term deals. I mean, we looked at you know Josh Hamilton, <laughs> yeah. Albert Pujols, the 10-year, 250 million dollar deal, and you know Pujols, in my opinion, is a first ballot Hall of Famer with his production with the Cardinals, but. The Angels, not so much. I mean, yeah. an older guy who takes up a roster spot and, you know, wastes $25 million in cap. It's similar to kind of Dexter Fowler and the Cardinals. I mean, Dexter Fowler right now is batting 190 
to the Cardinals and they have to address whether or not they want to keep him or if they want to release him. So I think it's important for the angels to kind of look at and see, okay, you know, will this Mike Trout deal work out? And if it doesn't, we need to stop doing this because, you know, you know, one, two, three strikes you're out. Right. So this would be the third strike with Trout. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But yeah, I, I do agree with your Mookie Betts point. I saw the other day that he turned down an eight-year, $200 million extension, which would have made him $25 million a year, which would have made him in the top 10 for average annual value. Yeah. But I just, I think he, I think that's a smart move to turn down the extension. Oh, yeah. Even though, you know, it seems like everybody's getting an extension. Within the last hour, Paul Goldschmidt signed a five-year, $110 million extension yep. with the Cardinals. Um, you know, Blake Snell, five-year, $50 million extension. So it just yeah. seems like everybody's getting them, but there's no rush in this. Yeah. And I'll let you speak after this point, but the thing with the extensions is that there's two sides to it. If you sign an extension too early, you're ultimately playing, you know, the team is playing yourself and you're betting on yourself. Because if you sign an extension early and you have a poor season, it's a win for the player because they're locked in. But in cases of Ian Desmond, who declines an extension before the year finishes the season with the Rangers an all-star and then it works out. That's one of the cases where waiting to sign the extension works. I think with trout, he could have gone either way. He could have signed the extension before still had a great year and teams would have paid him a ton of money or he could have waited, had a horrible year and teams still would have paid him a ton of money. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the same with Mookie Betts because we've seen that Mookie Betts is a solid you know, outfielder for the Red Sox. He's won a World Series title, MVP caliber player year after year. So obviously the production doesn't stop, but I think for a lot of the players who are kind of on the lower tier, that's usually the case where they sign the extension saying, okay, I'm in the clear, not have a great season, or wait, bet on themselves, and hopefully get that payday. Yeah, I think you're right. So to ask you about this, Philip, what do you think of the baseball money? Like, this is insane money, and you think about this of all the players who've kind of signed these extensions and new deals, it's over a billion dollars in total money being spent on these players. Most of it guaranteed. So like a billion dollars is just going through like five or six guys' hands. Do you think this happens in basketball at all? Um, I think it would take some time. I feel like we would have to be maybe like, I think we'd see like even what Mike Trout is making right now, we might see that in maybe like 2022, (laughs) you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be next year. It's not going to be this year. LeBron's never not going to make this much, you know, um, on a contract. Um, The only person I can ever see maybe making this much money is Zion Williamson. If he's actually a huge baller and he's actually, um, you know, he has to be, he has to be well into the league. You know, I think he'd have to be like maybe four years in and he'd have to be just amazing to be able to make maybe even half the, well, three fourths of the money that Mike Trout is making right now. Yeah. Um, Charlie, I want to ask you a question though. Um, with this yeah. huge, huge contract for Mike Trout, where does this leave Aaron Judge? <laughs> My main man, Aaron. That's a good question. Um, I mean, Aaron Judge could easily i think get three to four hundred million i don't think he would be at the trout level unless he has a phenomenal season this year um (laughs) i'm gonna confer with the stats department and see when aaron judge's contract is up but i believe it's up in the next few years and he potentially i believe he's still on his rookie deal 
Um, similarly to Blake Snell, who, as I mentioned earlier, signed a five-year, $50 million extension. But let me look. Mike, or let's see. So, uh, let's see, contracts. Aaron Judge's contract. So he's arbitration eligible after this year. He's going to make about 684000 which obviously in arbitration he's going to ask for, I wouldn't be surprised, ask for fifteen or $20 million a year. Um, usually with arbitration, how that works is that each side kind of brings their pieces on why they should have a certain amount of salary. An arbitration will either side with judge or they'll side with the Yankees or they'll have a, you know, a mediator kind of decide the rate that judge should be paid. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if judge signs an extension after this year or, you know, as I mentioned earlier, maybe he just takes a one-year deal and he waits and see how, see how, Next year goes and then signs a mega, mega deal with some other team. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to the Yankees, but I wouldn't be shocked if he goes to another team. I think, you know, the, him going to the Phillies would be a fun, fun young group. I mean, you got Hoskins, Harper, and Judge in that outfield, and Phillies could definitely afford him too. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Judge walk, but as I mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays. You know, yeah, I just wanted to ask about the one of the few baseball players that I know, um, Aaron Judge, sure. you know, CeCe Sabathia, all, you know, all my Yankees out there. Um, you know, whenever, going back to Nate's question on the money, I personally, I didn't know, you know, until maybe two years ago that baseball players made this amount, this amount of money. Um, it was always kind of considered to me that soccer players made the most money just because it was such yeah, like a true. huge international sport. But um, yeah, I, I, could you tell that turbo lady to quiet down? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I told her she stopped now. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I thought soccer players made way more money, but you know, now I might be, you know, pushing my kid to play baseball. I might be pushing my kid to play hey, baseball. Yeah. I think the big thing about baseball is every everyone assumes kind of that all of these players going up are getting these giant deals. And, yeah. you know, in some aspects that is true, but in other aspects that's completely false because you got to think about all the years beforehand where they're spent in the minors, right? Um, to some of our listeners out there, we had, you know, Max Tizenbaum on He was a minor leaguer for a fair amount of teams. And the biggest thing for him was pay. I mean, minor leaguers, unless you're a first-round <laughs> draft pick or if you're a notable player, you don't get paid a lot. I mean, you're making below minimum wage some months, and even then it's hard to get by. Um, there's a lot there, and there's been a lot of discussions with the MLBPA about compensating the minor league players more. And, you know, for some for some players, it's just financially they can't play. Talent-wise, they might have great talent, but they're just not getting paid enough. Um, and the Blue Jays actually came out this week and said they're going to start compensating their minor league players more which I think is a good move. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see other clubs start to do that. But, mm. you know, you see a lot of these guys like judge and, you know, Cody Bellinger for the Dodgers is making 620,000 this year. And he won the rookie of the year in 2017. And it, t- it takes a while, right? I mean, you don't get a mega deal right away. You have to work for it, but I think it kind of goes without saying that, you know, if you perform well, and you have a great career, then ultimately you will be paid a lot of money. And even the players who don't have great careers still get paid a lot of money. Right. I so mean, do... you have guys who are batting 220, 230 who are making 
seven to nine million dollars a year. So do you so think that really it's all over that basketball players and whenever it comes to baseball players, you think basketball players don't have to work or like, you know, do as much as a baseball player would have to do to get these ridiculous I, amount of you know, you know what money. I I wouldn't say that. I say basketball players would still have to work as hard. I mean, the G league and the D league, you still have to go through that. Yeah. Um, you know, some players who go undrafted, they go to Europe and Italy. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, for the exception of China, because China and, you know, when you play basketball in Asia, we've seen with Jimmer Fredette and Stefan Marbury. I mean, you make a ton of money with shoe deals and everyone loves you over there, but sometimes in Europe and some of the other countries, you don't make that much money. Right. It's kind of like the minor leagues of basketball, you know, you try to work your way up and try to get a pro contract. Um, but even then, I mean, there's players in the NBA. I think uh, there is a player on Purdue. I think one, there's a player on Purdue who's in the G league, Isaac Haas, and he's making $35,000 a year in the G league. Dang. He played for Purdue and Bryce Harper is going to make $35,000 a game. <laughs> so just to kind of compare that on the, I mean, the minor leagues, right. Um, I know the NBA and Adam Silver are looking at some potential rule changes to maybe increase the salary and make the G League more competitive. And I think they're doing like an elite programming camp, but I think that'll help. I mean, you know, I still maybe disagree with me on this. I'm not really sure, but usually the lottery picks get the most money. And even when you're on the mid to low first round, you don't get that much. And yeah. second round, you hardly get anything. Yeah. So It's ridiculous. Well, I just want to come on, you know, I'll leave you guys to your show. I know you got a, like an hour left, so I'm going to head on out of here. See you, Charlie. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Phil, for joining us, talking about Mike Trout and his big payday. And thank mm -hmm. you for filling in for me, Philip, because I was able to get us uh, Denver Nuggets playoff tickets. Heck yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um is there anything else you want to talk about, Charlie, before we let you go and get ready to head home for spring break? I think extent, the extensions are big. Another thing to note is uh, Clayton Kershaw is not going to be ready for opening day. Yeah. That's um, one thing that you and I called Nate about a couple weeks ago. That yeah, we did. Heard that uh, Kershaw would be ready and that it looks like Walker Buehler is going to start. Um, you know, Walker Buehler similarly to all players who have a hot year, they're going to try to avoid the sophomore slump. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing for Bueller is just making sure he stays consistent and stays ready to focus because, you know, you can have a great 2.2 ERA year, have a ton of strikeouts, have a low whip, but then you can bounce right back and have, you know, a four ERA with a high whip, just be really bad and be sent down yeah. to AAA. So it can all change like that. I don't think that'll happen to Bueller though. I think he's too electric and yep. much of a you know crazy personality and just as tenacious that I, I think that won't happen to him. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's going to be an interesting season. I think for the Dodgers, for sure, and we've talked about this with Dave Roberts being on the hot seat. I think another guy on the hot seat is definitely Joe Madden. Yeah. Dodgers and Cubs are going to be two teams to watch for. Um, I think AL Central, another big deal that happened Eloy Jimenez. And these prospects that are getting, let me wait for the terminal lady here. When I was, okay. So with Eloy Jimenez, as we've seen, a lot of these teams are giving contract extensions 
some prospects. You know, yeah. guys who haven't played a game in the majors yet and they're already locking them down. Yeah. And from a player standpoint, I think that's a horrible move. For teams, it's a brilliant move because you have a guy who blossoms into a star. You're yeah. taking him at a $7.5 million a year salary. Of course you want to take that. I mean, yep. Eloy Jimenez is supposed to be the next Babe Ruth. I mean, incredible power, incredible fielding. Yep. Initially, the rumor was that the White Sox would send him down to AAA Charlotte to work on his defense. And frankly, defense, quote-unquote, just to save an extra year for arbitration. I mean, that's what the Blue Jays were going to do with Vlad Guerrero Jr., and then he had no bleak strain. So, that I mean, not that it worked out, but it just kind of worked out for the Blue Jays. But yeah, I mean, we've seen this where they're locking down these prospects, and it's happened in Philadelphia. You know, six-year, ninety-plus million-dollar deal with shortstop Scott Kingery, who ended up coming up and having a good year. But Eloy Jimenez hasn't played a game in the majors. I mean, you have the Rays signed a six-year deal for Brandon Lowe. He hasn't yeah. played a game in the majors yet either. Yeah. So, I I think this is going to be kind of the next big wave of signing the top prospects to you know con team friendly contract extensions yeah because the players don't i mean the teams kind of have an idea if they'll pan out or not yeah and the players do too but i don't know i just think that's a bad move for the players and i think Eloy jimenez is going to be kind of frustrated in his you know fourth year of that deal when he's hitting 330 and hitting 40 home runs and wants 30 million a year but can only get seven and a half because he's locked in but yeah we'll see um Let's see what what else do I have to add? Nate, do you have anything else to add here? I I know we're getting to the point where opening day starters are being named. Yeah, the Braves named Julio uh, Teheran, Twins Jose Barrios. That's not a surprise, but uh, Rangers with Mike Miner. So yeah. I I know we're starting there. As far as you know, like surprise roster moves, haven't really seen any yet because teams are still reassigning players to minor league camps and they're still kind of narrowing down the rosters. So. We're getting there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think the only other news is Ichiro Suzuki officially retired from Major League Baseball today after playing the Japanese yep. series. Uh, what a wonderful career. And I don't know if you saw that video of him, you know, the Tokyo Dome just going crazy for him. He deserves it. And yeah, what a cool way to end your career. Like, I don't think there's a better way he could have ended his career. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah, wish him the best of luck uh, post-baseball, but he's definitely a Hall of Famer for sure. Absolutely. I saw a stat on Twitter this morning that Ichiro Suzuki's first game was in Japan. The Mariners beat the Athletics 5-4. to four. Ichiro Suzuki's last game in Japan, Mariners beat the Athletics 5-4. to four. Wow. Literally full circle. That is so cool. Crazy. You can't write a better ending than that. You would have submitted that to a movie director and they'd be like, nope, it's too perfect. (laughs) Nope, too too perfect, yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing before I go, Nate, we were going to talk about the AL East. Yes. Um, We don't have to go full in depth on this, but I'll just kind of give you an idea of where I think the rosters are going to end up. I think it's going to be Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, and Orioles. I think the bottom I think the bottom spot Orioles are for sure going to be in the cellar this year. I mean, only winning 47 games going to 47 and hundred in this year. That, and there's no signs of improvement there. So there's no reason to move them. Uh, Blue Jays are going to be in a tough spot. They've added some moves. They added some players. I think they will be better in the next couple of years. I say this year is going to be another rebuild year. You wait till Vlad Guerrero Jr. is fully healthy. Same with Bo Bichette. Make sure he comes up from shortstop. And then you've got a ton of young prospects 
um, Nate Pearson, just to name one, but you yeah. got a lot of guys who are ready to play. Tampa Bay Rays, again, I think Nate, I think if the Rays were in any other division, I mean, I say this for a lot of teams because there's a lot of good third-place teams. I think the Rays would be a division. I mean, they won 90 games last year and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. So that's something to think about. And the AL East is always competitive. I mean, it's either the Red Sox or Yankees every year, and one of the two who don't win the division is in the AL wild card. Yeah. So uh, Yankees, I just think, uh, let's see. I think they solidified their bullpen. Zach Britton now, Zach with a K, not Zach with an H, folks. Yeah. And, uh, this Chapman and then Batances. He's got a lot of, you know, good relievers, especially <laughs> J.A. Happ and James Paxton, some powerful lefties to add to that rotation. And so we'll see. And I think hopefully Jacoby Ellsbury comes back. I don't think, if, I think if he doesn't come back healthy and come back strong, I think this is kind of the end of his career here because he's been wasting a lot of prime years. And it seems like there's just a lot of injuries that are bogging him down. Yeah. And a lot of production that he's just, he's not getting time or maybe they trade him and try to get some cheap prospect for him or some international slot money, but we'll see. Yeah. And then the Red Sox, I figured you could break this down, but I think from a Red Sox perspective, nothing really has changed. Yeah. They haven't lost any big pieces, haven't added any big pieces. Hopefully, you know, they aren't affected by the world series bug coming into the new year. Cocky that we saw that with the Cubs, you know, Yep. losing in the wild card last year and then losing in the playoffs the year before that. So hopefully they just kind of come into the, come in to the season, excuse me, that each game is going to be competitive. You have to fight for each game. Nothing is given. Yeah. And that you just work your way to the top again. And I think they can do that. And I think Alex core is the type of manager to say, okay, this is what we need to do. And I think the Red Sox have a perfect mix of veteran to young players with just a hint of, you know, a more veteran heavy team. Yeah. So that'll allow for the Red Sox to kind of have those leaders inside the clubhouse and say, okay, you know, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do to come back and win another playoff series and win another division title and compete because ultimately they need to do that for some of the younger guys who are, you know, trying to battle for roster spots and are on the roster and think, wow, I'm playing for a world series team. It's going to be a breeze, which, you know, it's actually the opposite of that because you actually yeah. have something to prove, right? I mean, yeah. nothing is given in baseball. We've no. seen that. I mean, there's no, there's a lot of parity in baseball. You know, things can change year after year. I mean, we saw that with the Twins, right? I mean, making it to a wild card game and then, you know, coming in third place, second or third place in the division. So everything can change. But uh, that's what I have for my division preview. Nate, do you have any discrepancies in the standings or in my breakdowns? No, I think you, you nailed it. I think it's going to look pretty similar to last year, how the standings played out record-wise. It looks exactly how I would have predicted it. The only question mark, I think, for the Red Sox that could put the Yankees above them is their closer situation. Craig Kimbrell is still not on any team. The Red Sox have been trying different closers in the spring training, but I don't know who they're going to land on. I think their starting pitching looks a whole lot better than it did at the beginning of last season. I think the biggest question mark for Alex Cora is the bullpen and how they're going to close games out. It, the way it's looked like to me in spring training is it's going to be a committee effort. And then if anyone shows to be yeah. a more dominant closer, they'll get that role heading into the postseason or the rest of the season. So I think that's... I the, definitely agree. Yeah, that's the biggest question mark. But like you said, the team really hasn't changed. Um, another big thing is the Red Sox will probably be releasing a catcher 
one of their three catchers. And it looks like it's going to be Christian Vasquez who's not going to get a roster spot this season for the Boston Red Sox. And the way things are you playing out. They would pick, you think they would pick Vasquez over Sandy Leon? I think Sandy, Sandy Leon has played better in spring training so far. And I think Sandy yeah. also has a – they're both great catchers, but I think Sandy has that veteran expertise. And the hottest bat sure. this spring training has been Swihart. And so Swihart might be the number one yep. catcher, a guy who barely played last season but was on the roster the whole season. I think he really worked hard this offseason, and he's looking to be the starting go-to catcher for the Red Sox this season. Well, I think with Swihart, he's kind of a super – he's kind of a utility guy too. I mean, yeah, he, he is. He plays – you know, infield spots as well as a catcher spot. So yeah. he's very, uh, he's very adaptable and he's able to kind of, you know, change up. So I think that's valuable kind of having a versatile guy on the Red Sox roster, you know, not limited to just one position, but I agree with your kind of reasoning behind that. And I, I think the closer is going to be the biggest question mark. I think what you do with that closer position and how you address that is going to be how the Red Sox define their season. Um, because everything else can be working great, but if you don't have a solid catching, or excuse me, if you don't have a solid closer, then yeah. everything else is just gone. I mean, yeah. so I think it'll be by committee. I think a couple guys to watch out for, Brian Johnson, lefty, I think he's going to yeah. be in the mix. And I think they'll call up a guy from Pawtucket named Mike Shawrin. Okay. And Mike Shawrin was just drafted a couple years ago. He's a hard-throwing righty. Um, he's been in the mix too. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the year in Pawtucket and then gets called up halfway yeah. through. So we'll see. I mean, I think the Red Sox, I think they'll win the division this year again. Yankees are, as I mentioned, and you, as you know, they're always tough competitors. Yes. I mean, always. There's no years off where the Yankees are bad. I mean, yeah. They're always on. They're always competitive. So the Red Sox are going to be dancing. I mean, they're just going to be waiting and, I think it will. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Charlie. Uh, hopefully you have a safe yeah. flight. Uh, what are you excited most for going back home? Man, probably just being back home and going to opening day. Awesome. Target Field Twins are taking on the Indians one week today, and Target Field has done some renovations on the outside, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's looking like. Um, knowing the job that the twins do with their did with their stadium, excuse me, it's going to be very nice. Uh, can't wait to go and see, and it's going to be nice in Minneapolis for once. So awesome. <laughs> the, uh, snowy and foggy and 30 degrees. I think it's going to be fifties and sunny, which hey. I'll take any day over uh, snowy and thirties. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people would. All right. Well, thanks again, Charlie. Yep. Uh, and we'll yeah. see you in two weeks when we're back to our regular schedule weeks. program. All right. That's right. Thanks, Charlie. Yep. See you and later. we'll be right back with runners in scoring position.